welcome, 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 everyone. I hope, I hope, I hope that today we are in high spirits and in high regard of life, and we have accepted the challenge to move forward to do whatever we need to do to get this person that is in office out of office. These are trying times, and what everyone needs to understand is that uh, you always will have people in this world to try to make you feel less than who you are, regardless of who it is. But we have people in positions of power who still maintain uh, that there is one dominant race, one superior race, and that that race is the end-all, be-all, and that is not the case. And we're here to speak voluminously to uh, those people in positions of power in these institutions, uh, in the police uh, department and across the nation and across the world that our lives do matter and they're going to continue to matter and this stuff is going to end, right? This, this, these, these racist ideals, these racist views, all of these things are going to come to an end and we speak uh, that the change is in motion and taking place. And I believe that people recognize that these types of levers uh, that can be pulled to move people out of positions of power. We have people in position that are doing those types of things and change is taking place, okay? So I want to encourage everyone today, be strong, be courageous, be powerful. Keep the fighting spirit to drive on. Keep that spirit uh, and keep it, keep it, keep it aflame, keep it aflame, keep it burning because we are seeing and we are experiencing uh, change. Change in the, tra- the season and the, the position of, uh, of, of people who want to see that change are, are, are being in, are, you know, rightly positioned, if you will, to make those things happen. So we are, right now, we are excited about life. We are excited about being able to breathe. We are excited about having good health. We are excited about seeing people who have a pulse, um, uh, with the conditions that exist in this country, we are excited about seeing those people in positions and in, in places of power and amassing even more people who recognize that, you know, what we see transpiring in our cities and communities has got to come to an end. So I want to allow people to, you know, kind of chime in. Please connect with me on Facebook, connect with me on Instagram connect with me on Twitter. I certainly want to hear from you. I would love to hear your views. I would love to hear your outlook on uh, many of the views that we are sharing. This is our Protestant Ethic Podcast. Every every week you will hear us disseminating information, keeping uh, the people abreast with what's taking place in our cities, in our communities, what's taking place around the world. Um, we are looking at things from both a microscopic level and a macroscopic level. So we indulge and we engage in the things of the polis, right? So politics, politics comes from the Latin word politeia. It means the things of the polis or the things of the people, okay? We deal with the things of the people as a sociologist, as an educator, as a political analyst. I look at the world and we, 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 we describe, we explain, and we predict situations that 
are on the verge of transpiring and coming to an outcome. And so today, you know, what I do see, I do see that we are still being embattled by the behavior of police. Okay, police brutality is still at an all-time high. And the adverse treatment that Blacks are receiving from the police overwhelmingly across this nation, across um, our cities, across our states, you know, we are seeing Black people at an at an exponential rate, we're seeing people that have been uh, embattled and beleaguered by the police. You know, p- black people are disproportionately affected by police brutality, and it has shown up, and it has shown out, and once again, it has reared it, uh, its ugly head in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and we are all outraged by that devastating event. We are all outraged by the situation that has taken place where the police shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times for walking away. Now, we did not know that there is a near-death sentence on someone's life because they turned around and they walked away. And so these are reasons why you see the rioting in the streets. These are the reasons why you see the fighting in the streets. You're seeing the fighting. You're seeing the rioting. You're seeing uh, all of these things come to uh, a, 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 they are conjointed uh, uh, together due to the unfair, unjust treatment that overwhelmingly, disproportionately happens among Blacks, among people of color. And again, this is going to end. This is going to end. There's got to be an end to this type of behavior. Certainly, there's got to be an end to this type of mentality. It's got to be an end to this type of of this type of dynamic, you know. I want to bring everyone up to speed um, on our display of information. Please catch us every week, okay? Every week, Monday, our Protestant podcast. Every Thursday, we are sharing information on our Change the Nation broadcast. Every Sunday, we are certainly disseminating information here because people need to have access to information. And people need to be people need to be uh, informed, right? There needs to be an information center in our communities, um, uh, assessing the issues that we see on a daily basis. Okay. And right now, what I do contend is that we uh, have a three pronged presence of 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 issues that's taking place. Well, the first issue we have is the two hurricanes that is getting are in position to beat up our borders on our southern coasts. So we see two hurricanes that are approaching that we have to be prepared for. Simultaneously, we see two Democratic parties. We see the Democratic Party in their convention last week, and we see the Republican Party in their convention this week. And then last but not least, we see the last prong. We see two dynamics of virulent activity taking place. So we see the dynamics of the coronavirus, that virus that is spreading exponentially, simultaneously are coupled with the virus of racist uh, behavior across this land. We see uh, the police brutality that has skyrocketed um, against the presence of black men. And those types of things is just, it's, it's noteworthy. These are all remarkable experiences that we have to share information and shed light on the situations necessary 
and you need to develop a course of action, a course of behavior, um, listening to the issues at hand. Like my purpose for sharing information is to mobilize. My purpose for sharing information is to inform. My purpose for sharing information is to allow people to be equipped with the ammunition that gives them an ability to fight. Like we are still in the fight of our life and we still need to be prepared. So I am looking at the overall three-pronged dynamic and recognizing that each prong is duly composed of uh, two components. So with the hurricane, you have two hurricanes. With the political setup, you have two conventions. And with the overwhelming virulent activity that's plaguing our nation, we have two, uh, two types of viruses, if you, if you will. Okay, um, so with this hurricane, of course, we just need to be prepared and need to position ourselves. Those individuals that are in that area, listen. If you cannot, if you cannot build a fortress uh, around the place that you live, you need to evacuate. You don't need to stay there. We've learned from Katrina that if you stay planted or stay put, we know the type of devastating uh, problems that can come with trying to stay or weather a storm when the storm is going to be so great that's going to damage property. You know, you don't want to be left uh, outside uh, among the elements during a powerful storm as such. So you need to either go to a shelter or you need to, to vacate your communities. You need to vacate and, um, and, and allow, yourself to, allow yourself to live through the storm instead of trying to ride out a storm if you don't have the abilities to do so. So we're dealing with that type of storm, but we're also dealing with a storm uh, in our political system. Like we have uh, a person who is in power who is still currently spreading the seeds of racism, okay, and injustices. And we have to do our level best to remove that type of person out of office. You know, we cannot allow ourselves to continue to live under the oppression of racist bigotry, misogynistic views, and this this, this, this notion that uh, telling lies is the way you move a country forward. You know, those types of things are unacceptable. And we need strong people who will speak truth to power to let the world know that these types of ideals are unacceptable. You know, the interesting aspect of this is that the world uh, looks at the United States at this point uh, with contempt, with a degree of disrespect. They look at the United States, and at this point, it is as though they believe that the United States harbors the same types of views that the president has. Reason being is that the world knows our system of government. The world knows how our system of government operates. And the world knows that we are a people of the people, by the people, for the people. And people who are elected into office are elected through the people. And so if this person is in power and they are elected through the people, then it's those people who share the same mindset as this person in power. And, of course, as a result of us putting him in power, our mindset is now in positions of power. And so that is what the world know. That is what they think. That is what they know. What they what they sometimes fail to understand is that many of the people who voted for Donald Trump have been hoodwinked. 
they've been bamboozled. And they did not know that he was going to be such a disgrace in office, that he was going to carry out such um, heinous uh, behavioral activities. And as a result of that, some people don't, some other nations probably don't realize that we do not share those views. However, they probably think that we are complicit with the way that he, he behaves. So this election is going to be very important. You know, we need to do our level best to ensure that we are mobilizing, okay? That means you. If you hear me say that, that means I'm talking to you. Mobilizing, we need to get everyone out. You don't win elections through rhetoric. You don't win elections through chatter. You don't win elections through talk. You don't win elections through money. You win elections by voting. So we have to get you out to the polls. It takes money. It takes chatter. It takes talk to get your attention. But it takes you to get yourself to the polls. And so we need to do our level best to motivate you enough to get you to the polls. Listen, you don't even have to leave your homes during this season. You don't have to leave your homes. You have the ability to vote by mail. So it's from the ballot box to the mailbox that we are able to cast our votes in the season. And we need everybody and Lottie Dottie to come out of the woodworks to vote this person out of office. Okay, we need to get people in positions of power that is going to look out for the best interest of us as a whole. Okay, and right now we have people who are in positions of power that are spreading the seeds of racism. Okay, through conversation and through demonstration. Right, and we need to do something about that. We have to do something about that. All right. We have the Democratic National Convention that transpired on last week. And of course, we had, you know, multiple individuals that came up and they spoke volumes regarding Joe Biden's behaviorisms, his patterns of, of parenting, his patterns of governmental behavior, his, his, his ability to see through and see uh, the, the perspicuity that, that a Joe Biden has. We were able to see that firsthand. People talked uh, in mass regarding his abilities to run this nation. And they spoke on how he would be a great unifier. They spoke on how we need to return the country back to a, to a place of unity for, you know, uh, the people that belong here in this country. And, and, and they showed in great degree that he right now is the person best suited to run this country forward. They also showed Kamala Harris and they also uh, shared the ways in which she would be a powerful vice president for this nation, for this country. You know, her track record, her ability to uh, us, uh, you know, achieve uh, great feats in life, her ability to move beyond the discrimination, the racial discrimination, the gender discrimination, uh, the discriminations that she felt pertaining to her mom, uh, you know, intergenerational discrimination. We, she's experienced those types of things and she was able to ascend to some of the highest offices in the state of California, thus ascending to the office of U.S. Senator. And now she has been uh, the first black woman to occupy a major uh, ticket, a major national ticket, uh, running for the office of vice presidency in our nation. You know, if she wins, she will be the first female black vice president. And then also if she wins, she will also be the first uh, black uh, woman uh, that has ever held that position. So we certainly salute and we, 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 
throw our support behind Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Now, they are trying to defeat the incumbent, President uh, Donald J. Trump and Mike Pence. And we know that these two individuals right now uh, are in their Republican National Convention this week. And one thing that I can say about this Republican National Convention is that uh, the majority of people who stood up to speak has been speaking those things that have been counterfactual. The majority of comments that have been made during this convention have been counterfactual, and they do not represent, nor do they reveal the actual dynamics that have been taking place within this Republican Party, within this presidency, within the Trump administration since 2016 to present. It's one thing to say that you are one way, and it's one thing to try to get people to believe you are one way, but it's another thing to actually see the actions that come from your actions. It's another thing to see the fruit of your labor, if you will. And when you see the fruit of one's labor and you lie, okay, you lie and you say that you see something totally different than what you actually see, that's telling a blatant, bold-faced lie. When you do that, then you recognize firsthand what type of people you have in power. You would be a fool to recognize you have somebody that will lie to you in your face. They will lie to you in your face and you still elect them in positions of power. These are the types of people that will pencil, that will ascribe, that will legislate legislation against your best interest and turn around and lie to you and say that they did not do such a thing. And so again, we have got to be aware of the types of seeds that are being planted right now in our society. You know, we are dealing with a president who had a very slow and uh, backwards way of dealing with the coronavirus. And as a result of his ways of dealing with the coronavirus, now we have an outbreak. We have a spread. This disease has, uh, like a cancer, spread throughout this nation. It has metastasized throughout this nation in a way that it is uncontrollable, right? And, And to be honest, we really don't see an end in sight. Hopefully we can get a vaccination, but we really don't see an end in sight in terms of the large spread. You know, coming through the summer months, we were expecting that there would be a decline in those individuals that were contracting the virus. Uh, and, and then also understanding that in the fall, there would be an upswing. But here it is, we are at the coming into the end of the summer season, and we are repeating the types of behaviors that we saw in early March, early April. And so we are at this point, and this is devastating because we are now approaching the season by which the flu and the conjointment of these types of viruses are going to cause this uptick, this second swing, the second wave, if you will. And being that we have not even controlled the first wave, we are now really in jeopardy. And we have to do our level best to put someone in office that's going to uh, influence and encourage governors at the state level to do the right thing, which will in turn cause mayors at the local level to do the right thing, which will in turn cause the body politic to do the right thing as far as wearing their masks or as far as social distancing, as far as keeping yourself sanitized. 
We don't have leadership at the top. That's the bottom line. We don't have the right leadership at the top that can get us through this debilitating circumstance. And so when we look at these types of things, these are all reasons as to why uh, we need to be able to see the truth that people in this Democratic National Convention are saying. They are saying everything that is counter to the truth. They're saying counterfactual statements regarding Donald Trump's behavior, regarding Donald Trump's lifestyle, regarding Donald Trump's ability to do the job. And at this point, he can simply just not perform. He cannot do the job. And we need to put someone in office that can do the job. You know, when you do the job, you place, you implement, okay? You legislate and you implement. And what I'm very uh, disappointed uh, about as we look at this presidency is that you have, or as we look at this presidency and as we look at the convention, is that you have people who will sit in front of the screen, the monitor, the cameras, and they will articulate to this country as if this country is stupid, as if we don't know. And they will tell you in a very uh, direct, rather terse way that situations are not as they seem. And that is unacceptable for this season, for this period of time. That is unacceptable. You know, we have to make sure that we recognize the truth and we have to make sure that we recognize the lie. You know, as a sociologist, you know, we we describe, we explain and we predict. But we look at things from this sociological perspective where we assess uh, the deeper fact. Uh, the deeper factors that are involved and engaged in uh, the situations that we see. And so being able to look beyond the facade and look be, looking into the issues um, that on the surface may look one way, when you look deeper, it's totally different. You know, we are here to, you know, break down those component parts. We're here to analyze and break down. We, we break it apart. We look at it. We put it back together again. We synthesize it. We put it back together again and we explain you know, what it is that we saw, you know, and what it is that we are seeing, we're seeing people lying to keep someone in positions of power. Okay. And that cannot be the case. If we can identify, if we identify, if we can determine that people are lying, then we can determine that those people are not fit to be in office. And unfortunately, they are not fit to be in office, right? They're not fit to be in office. So you have the Democratic National Convention that transpired and you have the Republican National Convention that's taking place this week. And both situations, when you juxtapose both situations, you have one party, one group that was trying to keep people together. And then you have another group whose behavioral patterns over the last three years uh, divided and caused dissension between people. But you have people who will stand and say that they unified people throughout the last three years. Blatant, bold-faced lies. Blatant, bold-faced lies. Again, blatant, bold-faced lies. We cannot move forward 
with that. As you continue to look at, and you know, I saw a, an advertise, I saw an article actually, it was in the New York Post that said that the Republican National Committee uh, overwhelmingly had a far greater turnout in terms of views and ratings than the Na Democratic National Convention. And, you know, I understand that if that is the case, it's the case because you have a lot of people who watch the Democratic National Convention who are also watching the, uh, who's also watching the show, you know, the display of ineptitude from this Republican Party. You know, it's more like a show. It's more like a a a a, 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 a display of um, of joviality that we're looking at this 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 viewing, you know, this show on television just to be entertained. We are not taking any of this stuff seriously, okay? Because we know that the people in office are not taking their jobs seriously, and they need to be removed. But you also have this third prong. You have the coronavirus, and then you also have the component part of, you know, the racial tension that's, uh, you know, running rampant throughout this nation. And what I can say is that when you look at the two, when you look at the coronavirus and you look at the, uh, the behavior of race that has taken place, both of them... Uh, are symbolically representative of each other. You know, you have this spread, this this metastasization of uh, of of, of COVID nineteen that's spreading exponentially throughout the nation, spreading throughout the globe, but of course spreading more particularly throughout the epicenter of epicenters, the United States, and as a result of uh, not having clear uh, leadership and guidance, not being able to implement, not being able to properly uh, legislate, not being able to properly implement through uh, policy and, and, and regulation, you see, you know, the numbers are soaring in great number, in great detail, and in great volume. You know, that is a major problem that you have people in positions of power who have the power to legislate, who have the power to implement, they have the power to enact policies and regulations, and they refuse to do so. And as a result, you are, you are, you are, you are causing death to transpire in this nation, you know? Same type of dynamic is happening in our communities when we understand the racial undertones and the racial display of police brutality uh, that affect Black people disproportionately here in the United States. When we listen to the newscasters talk about, on a daily basis, this person being killed by police, that person being murdered by the police, the other person uh, being uh, tormented by police in brutal ways, you know, we can see that this sickness, this, 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 this cancer of race has also metastasized throughout our nation. And people at the top have the power to stop it. 
The sickness has metastasized throughout our nation, and people at the top have the power to stop it. But they won't, because they believe that there is a dominant race. They believe in this system of white supremacy. They believe in the system of power and control. And they believe that the system should only be um, uh, uh, held within the, the hands of a certain group of people. And so as a result of them recognizing that by the year 2020, this will be a majority-minority country. And as a result of them recognizing that fact and recognizing that they're losing their, their, their foot in, clo- in control, they're losing their footing in power and control, they are trying to maintain that footing and that power by maintaining positions in our institutions, maintaining positions of authority, maintaining positions of leadership, maintaining, maintaining positions of control. And as a result of them maintaining positions of control and power in our major institutions that surround uh, the, the way in which we live in this nation, holding onto those positions of power, of course, they are able to wield uh, their negative points of views and ideologies. And they're able to allow a system of, of supremacy, a system of racial tension, a system of racial injustice and inequality to persist in a perennial way across this nation. And those types of things have to be uprooted. Those types of seeds that are planted within the soil of the mentality of this country have to be uprooted. You know, we have to plant just as many seeds of of unity, as many seeds of peace, of many seeds of justice and equality and equity within the land of which we live if we are going to fight against the systemic evils that exist within these institutions, right? And so it is my belief that many times uh, you'll continue to see the behavioral patterns that have that have existed, you know, uh, since the 19th century, since the 18th century, and uh, even now, you see those same practices, 18th, 19th century, 18th century, 19th century practices that have been re-implemented in the season that we live in today, right? What do you mean? Well, what I mean is that you can look and see that there is a power in position. Uh, there is a power in positions of authority that have the ability to stop the current behavior, the current practices that are in existence. The racial tension, the racial animus that is in existence right now, there is an ability to stop that type of behavior that is taking place. How? How do you stop it? Well, you have the power to legislate. And from that power to legislate, you have the power of implementation of policies and regulations. So you have legislation, you have the implementation of policies and regulation. And any time you look throughout our history in this country, any time you look throughout our history in the United States, you can see that our system of government is a working system of government. However, whenever you implement something, whenever you try to implement what you legislate, if people 
are not beholden to that piece of legislation, implementation is going to be extremely slow. And we've seen throughout a course of history that this nation is really good at legislating. They can legislate among any subject matter and they can see a quick turnaround in behavior, a quick turnaround in response, a quick turnaround in action. So we can legislate about transportation and you can implement policies and regulations regarding transportation and you can see a quick turnaround and you can see a change in behavior almost overnight. We can implement, we can legislate regarding healthcare and we can implement that piece of legislation and come up with policies and regulations that will cause people to change their behavior regarding healthcare. We can, we can legislate regarding Food and Drug Administration and their practices, and we can implement policy and legislation regarding the behavioral patterns and practices of the Food and Drug Administration. We can uh, legislate regarding the economy and then implement policies and regulations regarding the economy. We can legislate regarding uh, FHA, the FAA, the FCC, we can legislate regarding all of these types of administrative practices, administrative measures that will keep people in track. We can legislate and then we can implement uh, policies and regulations that govern the behavior of people. And we can see a sharp turnaround in the behavior and the responses of people. However, whenever we legislate and then turn around to implement policies, and regulations concerning people of color, concerning the blacks of this nation, concerning the blacks of this country, there is always a slow, if not uh, really regressive behavior, regressive response uh, toward the implementation of the policies and legislations that can bring forth change. They are extremely slow in enacting and implementing anything that is going to bring a change to the behavioral patterns that affect people of color. And those types of things must come to an end. Those types of behavioral practices must come to an end. And people believe those types of, uh, people believe in that, that, that means of operation only when they believe that your black life does not matter. That behavior only comes with an, with an assumption that your life does not matter. And this is why we say our lives do matter. Black lives matter. All lives matter, but black lives matter. You know, there's a story in the Bible for all of these people who don't want to acknowledge that black lives do matter. Black lives matter. Um, and, and my black lives matter. My children's black lives matter. You know, my nation's black lives matter. You have a remnant of people who don't want to accept that. You have a remnant of people who I believe that just are supremacist in nature, that are just racist in nature, that don't want to accept the fact that black lives do matter. And whenever you say that black lives matter, they try to push back and say, no, all lives matter. You know, the devil is a liar. That is one of the most disrespecting things that a person can ever say because it does not, because it refuses to acknowledge the disproportionate uh, amount of black people that 
have been adversely affected by police brutality in this country. It refuses to acknowledge that there are still racial injustices, racial inequities that still take place within this country. It refuses to acknowledge all of the disproportionate activities that are done against Black people solely based on the color of their skin. You know, there's a story in the Bible, and this story, it, uh, it, it, it recounts a situation where Jesus was uh, nurturing the sheep, and there was one sheep that was lost. And he told this parable, what good shepherd would not leave the 99 and go after the one sheep? Why did they go after that one sheep? Because that one sheep at that point in time, that one life mattered. It wasn't that the other 99 sheep's lives did not matter, but that one sheep was deeply affected. That one sheep was affected to the point that death was imminent. And Jesus wanted to make sure that not only do the 99 matter, but also that one sheep's life matters. That is the case here. You have a situation where black people, uh, uh, in, you know, regardless of the multiple races uh, that exist in this world, black people right now are the ones that's being adversely affected. So it's not like we are forgetting about the multiplicity of other races that do exist. It's that, and we're not walking away from the other uh, variegated uh, complexions and tones that populate this earth. We are not disregarding all others. We are simply noticing that right now, this particular group of people are being affected and death could be imminent. So we need to tend to the problem at hand among this particular nation, upon this, among this particular race of people. And so when you have the power to legislate to uh, people in these institutions, see, this is where it goes. When you have the power to legislate, remember legislation uh, is enacted by our public officials, but implementation comes through people who are at these at the at the at the levels of our institutions, right? And so, if you have people in positions of power that will legislate, but the implementation process uh, to where policies and regulations are now activated, if that portion is slow or held up, then legislation means nothing. Legislation means absolutely nothing. And when it affects Black people, that is where you typically see a problem. You see problem not at the legislation level. You see problem at the implementation level. To be totally exact, you see problems at all levels, to be honest, because you have to, you have to protest and you have to march and you have to, you have to do whatever it takes just to get legislation to be passed. But then after legislation is passed, you still have to go through implementation. You still have to make sure that those people who are running these institutions now implement what was thus legislated. And if you have people in positions of power who do not believe in the legislation, then they are going to drag their feet in providing policies and regulations that dictate behavior from the people. And this is a common practice that we see. And so when you hear the, pre the president uh, voices 
his concerns when you hear the president voice his views and he begins to dog whistle. He is sending dog whistles not only to his base, but he is sending dog whistles to the people that occupy these positions of power in these institutions. So that whatever is passed, whatever is legislated, it still is going to be a holdup in the implementation process. This is why we need to do our level best to make sure that we vote these types of people out of political positions of power and that we uproot these types of individuals out of institutionalized positions of power. We have to make sure we do that. When you hear people like Nikki Haley shout out that racism does not exist, that is a blatant lie. That is a blatant lie. Now, she was the governor of the state of South Carolina when the uh, uh, individuals uh, were affected by Dylan Roof uh, at the mother, the, 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 the mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. She was the governor and she barely wanted to remove the Confederate flag from the state capitol, you know, as a result of racism those types of things took place. How can she stand flat-footed, full-throatedly and say racism does not exist, that this is not a racist country? Overall, you know, you should have, you should have said we are not a racist country um, uh, in terms of, in terms of what this country the principles of this country is not racist, but the people who occupy positions of power however, are. You know, you should have cleared that up, but she did not. And so we need to make sure that we do our level best to stand up for the right doing of our public officials. You know, again, we need to call on the resignation of the police officer that shot Jacob Blake in his back, thus leaving him paralyzed and his behavior and his, his, his ability to live has been totally altered for the rest of his life. We need to call on his resignation. We need to call on him to be terminated. We need to call on his pension to be revoked. We need to call on uh, a community review board to look at the behaviors of the police practices that have been taking place. We need to make sure that we do these things for Breonna Taylor. We need to do these things for George Floyd. We need to make sure our voices are heard. And we cannot rest. We cannot sit back on our loins. We on our laurels. We cannot allow time to continue to pass by and simply just pray and say, "I forgive." No, it's time for direct action. You know that is a very you know it's a very admirable thing to stand up and say, "I forgive," and I'm going to pray for. That's an admirable thing, but I don't really care what you do based on your internal desires. However, I am concerned what we do as a people in response to what took place. You know, what you do in terms of your inner convictions, that's between you, God, and the person. If you want to be forgiving, that's fine. You know, that's admirable. If you want to, if you want to ask God to forgive that person, you know, that's you. If you want to forgive that person, you know, that's you. Again, those things are very much admirable and great qualities and characteristics. But that is not the conversation. The conversation is not uh, based on whether you're going to forgive the person or not for shooting your son in the back. The conversation is not whether you're going to pray for them or pray for a comp. That is not the conversation. 
the conversation is what is uh, what is the city doing regarding this person committing this heinous act? That is the question. What are we doing to prevent this from happening again? That is the question. And then last but not least, what are we doing to bring forth justice out of this situation? That is the question. And that is where our fight is. Not only in uh, Wisconsin, but across the nation. Ahmad Avery, Aubrey, excuse me, Ahmad Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd, all of these individuals who've been affected by the racial animus that have plagued our nation is our fight. And we're here to say again today that this is going to end. Our voices are going to be heard. We are going to continue to trumpet our message. Regardless of the pain, we are still going to fight. Regardless of the feelings of hurt, we are still going to share our message and we're going to fight until kingdom comes. We are going to fight in the city. We're going to fight in the street. We're going to fight in our our areas of rural uh, occupancy. We're going to fight wherever we can fight. We're going to fight on a, every day. We're going to fight, 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 fight. We're going to fight until hell freezes over. And then we're going to fight on the ice. Listen, we have a job to do. And we are out there every day, you know, trumpeting the message, not only of social justice and racial uh, equality, racial justice, racial equity, uh, but we're also fighting that God give us a love and a peace, that God give us a type of unity that can actually allow us as a nation to be that city on a hill. And that's going to happen. But it's only going to happen when this type of mentality, this type of way ends. Listen, thank you so much for being with me today on this podcast. Thank you for sharing with me. Um, I am really excited about everything that's taking place in terms of our growth, our development. I am excited about November. Make sure you register to vote. We have approximately three weeks before voting begins, but everyone needs to be registered to vote. We need to vote the right way and vote this this uh, derelict out of office. And we need to ensure that we put uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in office who can get us out of this 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 terrible situation that we found ourselves in. Thank you for being with me. Please like and share. Connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please connect with me. When you connect, let me know where you're connecting from and share your love. Share your love. Share your love. Thank you again, and we will see you when we see you. Okay? Bye now.